Missionary Podcast coming your way, episode 522. Today, we're going to talk about how to get more from training, bench press, squats, and deadlifts. So we have a great treat for you in this one. We have Mobster, who is always on these podcasts, but he is an absolute training guru, one of the world record holders out there on training. So he's going to, and um, we're, we're going to give you some tips, but he's pretty much going to give you so many different tips that are going to help you in your training. And listen, at the end of the day, a lot of people out there on social media and a lot of these podcasts, they don't talk enough about training. It's all clickbait. It's all steroids too much, but training, if if your training is so fucking important when it comes to weight training, because you have to stress the muscle when it comes to training, you have to train the muscle. You have to train the body to get results. Otherwise you're wasting your time. So mobster, why don't you start us off on this topic and, um, you know, give us some give us some tips right off the bat. I'll give you an example, Steve, and this is just – you and I do this. We know that sometimes it's a bit annoying for people to be approached in the gym, but both you and I have done it. We've done it when we've been asked. People come and ask us because they see how we train, and that's great. And one of the things that you and I talked about in the pre-show was that when we've been to those kind of gyms where you've got the old – been here, seen there, done it kind of guys around, every so often they'll they'll throw you a piece of information and you think, you know what, that's amazing. I can think of so many examples. But I'm just going to use the bench press as our first one as an opener. Now, quite simply, guys, and I'm going to super, super brief on the actual description. Essentially, and we're talking about the flat bench here, but you can apply some of these tips to incline and decline. You can apply some of these tips to using barbells, machines, but let's take the barbell bench press. It's a classic. It's almost not really needed per se in bodybuilding, which would be for the majority of our listeners, again, a chunk of the shape muscle and build muscle rather than strength, which is my speciality. Uh, but we use the barbell bench press. It's kind of one of those things that everybody knows. Now, straightforward, you're laying on a bench with your bum, uh, your hamstrings, your lower back, your upper back, middle back, and you must obviously have your head there on the bench and you unrack the bar which is above your face and you bring it down to your chest touch your chest and put the bar and rack it and that's essentially it now if you want more information on that kind of thing there are a million videos and we'll probably do more on these training features in the future to, uh, and look at the photographs and some of the text that we're going to attach to this podcast for more information again now as most of you will already know what a bench press is Let's get into a few things, and it is, it's just going to be a few, that make a difference. Some of these things, some of you already know, some of you not. And it's, but those that are you new to training, and hopefully a couple of tips that you may not have thought about for absolutely ages that you can apply from today's podcast to get more out of the lift. As an example, Steve and I discussed on the pre-show again that I'd been, when we had the gym in Gloucester in the warehouse, we'd have young guys come in to learn to do strongman events. And occasionally, as part of their training, they'd be bench pressing. And even in a local gym around the corner, and even up the, 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 the gym here in uh, Wales, where I live, you'll see younger guys. And what you'll sometimes see, and Steve, I'm sure you've seen this, is what we call the, it's almost like a shuffle. They're on the bench. They have the bar. It's a moderately heavy weight for them. But their feet are moving, they're kind of skipping around on the floor. And what what happens with that is they become unstable. Now, there is actually a version of the bench press where you have your feet in the air or you even put your feet on the end of the bench. 
lots not a lot of gym owners like it, but it's a version. And it isn't actually meant to make you unstable. But for most guys, it's feet on the floor. And having your feet move around just makes you unstable. It's kind of like hopscotching. It, it, you, you haven't got the stability that you should have. So one of the tricks I've shown people, as I've literally stood in front of their feet, Steve, and stopped there, I said, push your feet into my feet. Now, bench press at the same time, and immediately they become far more stable. And as soon as they realize this is the case, they learn to push their feet into the floor, to put weights in front or dumbbell or block of wood, something that's going to stop their feet and give them something to push against. Eventually, you'll do it without the block of wood or the weights or someone standing in front of you, but you'll realize that at nice wide stance, even though you're laying down on the bench press, gives you stability. So that's number one. Here's another. You want to improve your bench press? Work your upper back. Sounds a bit wrong way round, but it's actually true. The pad of muscle that you're pulling off, or should I say pushing off on a bench press, is the upper back muscles. And you'll see a true bench press specialist doing something called, for example, face pulls, which is essentially the high cable machine that you could get a couple of handles, a couple of cable handles attached to it, and then you pull your arms back. And for some reason, it's called face pulls. It's just a simple name for something that's kind of half complicated to describe. Again, you can look this up, face pulls with the cable, and that will work the rear delts. It'll work the, the, that little delt trap tie-in, and it'll kind of thicken that part of muscle there. There are a few other movements you can do, variations on pull-downs and so on, and all of these work to stabilize your rear delts and to give yourself a pad of muscle to push off. So there's another. Okay. Again, barbell, but you could try to learn this to do if you think about it, it's actually what you're kind of doing with dumbbells and cable flies. And that is you take the barbell, you unrack it as usual, and then as you're lowering the bar to your chest, try gently to pull your hands together. Now, they shouldn't slide up and down the bar. If you're doing that, your grip is way too loose and the knurling's not doing anything at all. But the trick, so to speak, of having that pressure in the squeeze makes the contraction that much harder. Now, there used to be a technique, probably gone out of vogue a little bit, where the coach, the PT, the advisor, whatever you want to call them, would take two fingers and put one on each peck as you were bench pressing and have you deliberately squeeze your chest, contract your chest, the pectoral muscles, against the fingers. And the way that I've described it, by pulling the hands gently together as you lower the bar, and for that matter, as you press it, enhances the contraction. And in a way, it teaches you to isolate the chest muscles. Now, something when you're bench pressing, you're quite often just thinking about moving the bar from your chest overhead and from overhead down to your chest. You're not really concentrating as much as you should do on the contraction. Now, what you'll see with top-level athletes, and I'm talking about the genetic freaks again, sometimes there's an element of their body kind of gets it straight away, and they learn to contract it. And then maybe they've got some advice as well. But as nine times out of ten, they're automatically getting more out of the movement than most people that train. Now, this applies whether you're male or whether you're female. Equally, as a way of, for example, of working your rear delts, remember what I said about working the upper back and the rear delts, et cetera, for bench pressing, you can pull your hands gently apart. To give you an idea of how important some of these things are, I've done this with a, a 75 kilos, 155-pound veteran, 50-plus, uh, who could bench 150 kilos, so 330 pounds or double his body weight. 
and we used a broomstick. We didn't use, didn't use a loading bar or nothing like that. And one of the things I did was I would take my finger and press the end of the broomstick to the left or to the right to show you how unstable he was. Or I would wiggle as he was bench pressing, I would pull it towards me or push it away. Now, the broomstick weighs one, two, maybe three pounds. But the, he had no stability left or right and no stability backwards or forwards. And it showed you, for example, why you'll see sometimes people using what's called an earthquake bar, which is essentially a bar that shakes as the weights are going on. It's why we use dumbbells and cables over a barbell or machines. And what you're doing is you're working your stabilizers. And it shows you just how important those things are. But again, some of my tips are specific for strength and some are specific for muscle. Here's another. Putting your chest into the gap. What do I mean by that? So again, I like to uh, do a close grip for strength, which is 12 inches or so apart, versus a wider stance, which would be the normal grip or position for a bench press for most people, which is be two or three inches wider than shoulder width. Uh, and you'll see super, super strong, super heavy athletes going all the way out to the collar with their hands. And this is to shorten the movement. But for bodybuilding purposes, for muscle building purposes, we're looking for something a little bit different. So a moderate spacing, the one that we'd normally use, you don't have to change that specific for this example. And then what you're looking to do is you almost imagine that you have a cable attached to the midpoint of your sternum and that someone is gently pulling on this cable. It could be a piece of string or whatever. It's a figurative idea. And you put, let, allow the chest to be pulled into the gap where your arms are going to be, especially so at the top of the movement. And this raising of the chest up, upwards and ever so slightly backwards at the same time puts your chest in the perfect position for a much, much greater contraction. So there's just a few examples right, right there. Um, as another example, and some of this last particular one, Steve, applies both to uh, bench press and the squat and the deadlift and indeed many other movements, and it's a very simple trick, and it applies again with regards to the bench press specifically because that's what we're talking about, flipping the red reps around. I'm a low rep kind of guy. Probably eight reps, 12 reps, occasionally on certain particular movements. But if I start doing 15 or 20, the difference I feel, the stimulus that I get is enormous. Now, I mentioned in a previous podcast, Steve, where a very old trick, and it still get, happens now, you'll switch gurus for steroids. You'll switch gurus for training. You'll change the PT. I want to go with someone else that wants to advise me on nutrition and so on and so forth. And a lot of the time, the easiest thing for the expert to do is literally flip around what you're doing. So if, they, if the other fellow's got you on low carbs, they'll give you higher carbs. In this example, it's literally, which you can do for yourself, changing the reps. And what I mean for me would be the low reps that I mentioned, just do high and literally do high for three months. And the first, probably in my case, these six workouts are horrendous. I, I kind of like question my judgment. And it's going to be one of those, can I keep this going for three months? Can I keep it going for longer? Because my body, my muscle fiber type, which can change a little, you can't change the predominant uh, muscle fiber type you have, but you can change a small percentage because your body will adapt. That period of adaption is all about stimulus. It's all about muscle growth. As an example, Steve, again, bench press. If bench press is your core movement for chest, but you do occasionally do other exercises like flies or cables or whatever else, 
literally do one before the other. So if bench press is normally your first movement, make it your second or your third because you'll get more out of the movement if you pre-exhaust it. If, for example, you never pre-exhaust, just do that. Uh, if you do pre-exhaust all the time and your bench press is at a certain particular level, but you want to see it increase, you want to see it grow, you want to see more come from that movement, bring it to the front. I mean, these are all real, real simple things. And they, it, it, it sounds too simple, but when you think about it, guys, most of us, time-wise, it's more than anything else, myself included, we go to the gym, we have a movement in mind, and we do it. And we're not necessarily getting the most out of that movement. And sometimes this is where a coach or a piece of advice can come in and remind you to contract the chest, remind you to push from the shoulder blades, remind you that that pulling in or pushing out technique on the bar suddenly does something. And it's literally sometimes all the PT, a trainer, a coach has to do with you. And in fact, if you watch some of the top professional bodybuilders and or weightlifters again, you'll see that's pretty much what most of the PTs are doing. They're not standing there giving them a long list of rules and regulations. They're literally saying, flex your chest more, give me one more rep. And that sometimes that's all it is. And it's the difference that will make, for example, between a first and a second place, that little bit where they get you to do your best. And that's sometimes what we're talking about. I actually argue, Steve, and I'll say this with regards to the other movements which we're going to talk about briefly, that my best trick is not necessarily to teach you these tricks, tricks and techniques and nuances of training. Sometimes it's just me getting you to do your best. It's getting into your head and pressing the button that says do not press and getting you in that kind of crazy frame of mind that gets you to do the big lifts. I actually think that's my best. But in terms of this kind of stuff, it's one of the things I almost don't think about these things, Steve, uh, and they're there all the time. So, yeah, being reminded, trying them out, and just, guys, just put them into your next workout. Steve. What do you think? So, you know, whenever you're at the gym and you're watching people, um, it's very rare, Monster, uh, to see, especially if you're at a franchise gym, typical franchise gym in America. I don't know how it is in England, but in America, typical franchise gym, very rare to see people doing deadlifts and squats properly. And the number one thing, the number one mistake that people are doing, and this is something to think about, is they put on too much weight on there. So when you put on too much weight, you sacrifice form. Now, Mobster and I, you know, we talked on the pre-show and, you know, this this is a very complicated topic because someone who's doing this, you know, powerlifting competition, they're maxing out one rep or they're even training, you know, doing two, three reps for training ahead of it. They're not really concerned with form as much as they're concerned with form in a way to get the most weight moving, but they're not yes. concerned with form when it comes to, you know, bending your back or, or doing something like that, where you're kind of in, it's not the best thing to do. It's not proper form, but they're just trying to get the weight moved. You see what I'm saying? So for most of you out there, you know, you want to focus on proper form and doing less weight and leaving the ego at the door is going to result in better. And it's also going to prevent injuries. So one of the mistakes I see with squats, for example, mobster, is guys, they'll load up too much weight and then they'll struggle on the way down. They're not going to have proper form. Their angle is off. All right. Yeah. So I see that a lot, especially when you're putting the bar on your shoulders. So what I recommend with squats right off the bat, 
And this works amazingly well because it makes it really, really hard to cheat is front squats. And what I mean by front squats is you put the bar in front of you and you cross your arms. So the bar is hugged in front of your front chest, upper chest, front of your shoulders. And this way you're getting more of a push forward, which forces you to keep your feet squared and your hips squared and this way when you come down you're able to engage your glutes instead of just engaging your legs doing a incorrect form of a squat another thing i recommend is box squats and box squats are very very simple you don't need a box at the gym all you need is a bench, bench. just put a bench behind yeah. where your butt is and sit do the front squat and sit on the bench then get up and you're going to notice when you get up, it's really, really hard to get back up. So it yeah. forces you to put less weight on and it forces you to keep correct form because the sitting motion is the natural way to squat. Not basically bending forward and doing good yeah. mornings, you know what I'm saying? So this keeps your form good. It keeps your glutes engaged, keeps your hamstrings engaged, keeps your quads engaged. Even your calves, it'll keep your calves engaged and it'll keep your heels on the ground. It forces you to keep your heels on the ground so you don't lift your heels up. And that's the, that type of, of squat is beautiful. Now, really quick with bench press, I know you want to get in, Mobster. Yeah. With bench press, keeping your head, you got to keep your head on the bench. You got to keep your feet engaged. As Mobster said, sometimes people do lift their feet. Now, if you're a shorter guy like me, what I like to do is I'll take a 10-pound weight and I'll put it where my feet are. And it's funny. I'm at the gym sometimes and I'll do that. And then, I'll, you know, kids will, you know, these young guys, they'll come and they'll grab the weight off the ground. I'm like, bro, 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 I'm using the weight. So yeah. that is legal in powerlifting circles, at least where I've, you know, I've been judging and I've coached. That's legal because you got short limbs like me. It, it, it helps you keep your feet flat on the ground. If your feet get lifted up, it's a scratch. If your head gets lifted up, it's a scratch. Your butt gets off, it's a scratch. So how many times do I see people bench pressing at the gym and they'll bench and then they'll put their butt up in the air to push the weight? That's not correct. All right? That's not correct. All you're doing when you do that is you're putting more pressure on your spine and you're blowing out this in your spine. It makes absolutely no sense and it's not the correct form. If it's too heavy for you where you have to do that, then you need to lower the weight. So the best way to bench press, and it's not bouncing the bar off your chest either. I see a lot of people do that. Don't bounce the bar off your chest. <laughs> Go down, pause, and then engage your pecs properly. And that's what you got to do. In a in a powerlifting tournament, they'll your the the bar goes down, and then the judge says lift, and then that's when yes. you get to lift. You don't bring it down and like bump it back up like it's a spring. There's no, there's no reason for you guys to get into the habit of doing these lifts improperly and doing with poor form. You know what people like me and mobster do when we see that at the gym? We snicker and we laugh at you. We're not impressed. I, you know who I'm impressed with at the gym? I saw this actually the other day. I saw a guy. He's a young guy, maybe 19, 20 years old. He was doing squats, ass to grass, perfect form. Feet and hips squared. Beautiful form. I wanted to go over there and just shake his hand and be like, bro, like, fucking A, you're 
you have the best form I've ever seen in life. Obviously, this guy was coached properly. He was probably on a weightlifting team in high school or in college, and he's being coached the way because I was impressed with that. And he wasn't doing much weight. He was doing like one, 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 uh, one forty-five pound on each side, one rack. That's it. He was doing one hundred thirty-five pounds, one hundred fifty pounds. That, that's all he was doing, and it was beautiful form. I loved it, and I was so impressed by him. Then another guy comes and throws three plates on or two plates on. He does it shitty-ass form. And you know what? I wasn't impressed at all. So if you want to impress guys like me and Mobster, do the proper form. That's what impresses us. It's not about the weight. The weight don't mean shit to me. It's about you doing proper form. I'll jump back in here, Steve. One of the, the late Louis Simmons actually echoes something that you said earlier on. And uh, he had people come to him that wanted to improve their lifts. And squat is a great example, Steve. And the problem that would happen is that over time, the lift would become, and to be put it crudely, bastardized. They changed the movement so much that it had gone too far away from what it was supposed to be. And then what also happened with Louis is that people were wearing super suits, power suits, or not. And the groove of some of these suits is different from other suits. So if you trained in a particular way without it, then you needed to train in a slightly different way wearing a suit. Got super tight at the bottom of the movement to support you, to hold your back, to hold your thighs in a certain position, and you had to change it. But the thing that stuck in my mind, and I think I've got it here on, a, on an old VHS cassette of all things, he says, why have I got to teach people to sit the fuck down? He says, a baby doesn't need to be told. If a baby squats down, they squat down. As Steve says, ask the grass. Knees out in front. Now, that's great because, of course, their tendons, their knees are not old. They're nice and young and fresh. But they squat down. And they literally sit there and like, like, like someone, I think he used the reference, sitting on the toilet, sitting on a potty. The baby's way, way down below a toilet level. But for the rest of us, he said, sit. Sit down on this bench. Sit down like you would sit down on the toilet. And people immediately know what he talked about. And then... When it came to having a bar on the back, like Steve said, you had people that were doing something that looked like a good morning where they were leaning forward, or you'd see horrendous lifting in competition of some federations that would be super high in another competition, and so on. And the same in terms of bodybuilding, because most of our listeners are talking about getting the most out of a movement. It's as much for muscles as it is for power. It's stuff like a shitty range of movement. Now, there are ways and means of developing some muscle in your quads and in your glutes from shortening the movement. But most of you won't need that. Most of you are looking for big legs. There are things, for example, Steve, and I've had this. You mentioned something about good form. I was reminded of a buddy, one of the fellas at the gym, and he came in a pair of white Wellington boots. Wellies, as we call them here in the UK. And these, I think, the ones that they're using dairies. And he was squatting after the grass in these rubber boots. They have no support, really. They're great for trumping around in the dairy or around in a muddy field, but they're not great for squatting. But he was able to squat after the grass with three plates aside, nothing spectacular, but with these soft rubber boots on. They were horrendous, and yet his form was perfect. So it showed you it wasn't about the shoe. It was just about the form. So one of the tricks, here's a few tricks and techniques. Push your feet out. What that will do it was going to engage all the muscles on the outside, the lateral muscles, if you like, left left leg and right leg, and all those muscles up the side would get tight. And as they get tight, because they're being contracted much harder, you're actually going to get a better contraction in your glutes. 
Now, the depth of the movement, squatting nice and low, but without dropping into it, same as you don't drop the bar when you're bench pressing, like Steve said earlier, that will engage other muscles. So, for example, you don't have to go all the way to the standing up lockout position, and then you're going to have your muscles under tension. So now not only are you engaging the outside of your thighs, your quad muscles, and especially the lateral heads of your quad muscles and your glutes, but you've got a constant tension there, Steve. And the same thing applies again. Now, you have to be careful with this because sometimes when guys are struggling, like these days with a heavier weight, you'll see their knees buckle inwards. Very rare for them to buckle outwards. They'll buckle inwards. But what I'm talking about here is a deliberate pulling of your feet together. Now you're going to engage all those muscles on the inner fire. In fact, I've done a version of this, Steve, where the tendon attached to a muscle right up into the groin, to put it crudely, ladies and gentlemen, just behind my balls, was so tight. It was unbelievable. I could feel it almost into the back of my balls. It was that kind of contraction. And again, I think also, Steve, that engages more of your hamstrings and your inner thigh muscles than it does your outer thigh muscles and your glutes, like you're pushing your feet outwards. And again, it's the difference between constant tension and stopping at the top. For example, you could stand up completely upright. doesn't matter whether the bar's at the front, like a front squat, like Steve said, or a back squat, or a specific kind of bar, or a machine, or anything else. But doing it, and as you try as much as you possibly can to contract the quads. Now, that's these kind of movements and these kind of tips and techniques. I'm reminded of the great, and still with us, Tom Platts, getting the absolute maximum we possibly could out of movements. And the obvious one that he was well known for would be squats. And he'd worked up to, I believe, in, well in excess of 600 pounds on more than one occasion. But it didn't have to be a, a huge, huge weight for him to be able to get as much as he possibly could out of the movement. And what you will see is even when he's moved fast, it was still controlled. What we will sometimes see, and this is where people do ruin their knees, in Olympic lifting style, which is after the grass, they'll drop almost barely controlled into the bottom of the movement. And what that has a habit of doing, which is something you need to avoid, so the tip is stretching the knee tendons. And the knees need to be flared out. If they flare in, if they move, if you're dropping into the movement, you are essentially asking for trouble. It's one of those movements you can get away with for a certain period of time, doing it in that style, but you won't see people 50, 60, 70 years of age doing it because their knees will be ruined. So there's stuff like that. Other things, warming the fuck up. Warming up. I walk to the gym. It is a mile. If I train here, I do weight with no, no weight on the bar whatsoever, Steve. And I, if I, my hamstrings feel tight, I always ensure that I'm stretching my hamstring. It's just some of these things, again, they feel like common sense kind of conversations and common sense techniques, but sometimes we need to be reminded of them. And so, again, it's one of those things where getting the most out of the movement, the most bang for your buck, nearly always comes down to pulling in, pushing out, or slowing the fuck down. And again, squats, just for the repetition. This is one of those ones where the uh, advice for many years was that you, you should do more reps. Now, I don't know necessarily that 15 or 20 reps creates more muscle in my quads than, say, 8 or 12 reps. But what it does have a habit of doing, Steve, is that your cardiovascular ability is increased. If you do 20 rep squats with three or 400 pounds, you're huffing and puffing real good. You're getting a real good cardio workout. 
And what it also has a great thing for you, especially these bigger compound moves like we're discussing here, Steve, is there's a much greater stimulus for the whole of your body. Now, leg press, as much as I like it, and I can move some big numbers, is not the same level of stimulus. It's just not there as having a bar on your back and having to hold your core tight and so on and so forth. Here's another quick tip for you again, guys. And it's the reason why sometimes we see uh, waist control belts being worn by top professional bodybuilders. You have to be careful not allowing the belly to stick out for bodybuilding purposes because you want that vacuum, you want that small waist. But at the same time, there's an, a lot of power that comes from pushing your belly out against the weightlifting belt. So here's the trick. You must learn to be able to tighten, with or without your belt, your stomach. And to a lesser degree, your obliques. That's the muscles on the side, that are just above the hip bones. And they're the ones that will be, the, both the abs and those obliques will be pushing on your lower back, and they'll give you what's called a natural, your body's own weightlifting belt. Now, if you wear a belt as well, the trick then is to not have loads of air or loads of fluid or lots of food still in your belly and having this bulging belly being pushed out even more when you're under strain. So what you will see occasionally, and it's getting the genetic advantage if, in some people, if your belly isn't that big to begin with, learning to control it, but keep it tight, will it actually enable your squat to improve. And like Steve said, there's a bunch of variations on the squat here, Steve. And in fact, one of my tips both for bench press or chest movements or back movements or leg movements, as I rotate nearly all of my big movements and especially the support movements. So, for example, I specifically focus on my bench, but it's nearly always a different back exercise on, on those days. And I do three different leg workouts because that means I'm not constantly pounding away on one movement and give them, I'm wearing myself out and so on and so forth. So, for example, in my case, Steve, as per my log on the, on, on the, on the forums, I use a safety bar, hat-filled squat. You can look that one up, guys. I do a lever squat type movement with a machine, and I have a power squat type machine here. And those three are rotated, one every three weeks, and therefore I'm not constantly pushing away with crazy, crazy weights. So it's crazy weights, it's all relative, but not the same crazy weight on the same movement and kind of wearing myself out. At some point, I will ease back off, but it can take months and months and months, whereas... If I did just the one movement, I'd probably be able to get 12 weeks out of it, three months, and that's it. Whereas the way that I do it, I can get nine months. What about, uh, we'll get into deadlifts now, Steve. So deadlifts. Right. The strongmen, and what I'm talking about is competitive strongmen, like you see at the TV, at the Arnold, and uh, World Strongest Man, et cetera, et cetera. They're allowed to use straps. But what you're also seeing is that there's a percentage of strongmen it's almost a requirement now, Steve, that if you are in the world's strongest man and you're in the top 20, every single athlete that's made it to the top 20 is picking 400 kilos or more off the ground. That's 880 pounds. That is a number that is just mind-blowing when you think about there was every single athlete. And at the very top end, with regards for and Eddie Hall, we're talking about over 500 kilos. 500 kilos for Eddie and 501 kilos for four. Now, there are a few others that are getting very, very close. There's a Russian guy that just pulled 486. He's tried 500 a couple of times. What you will notice is that they nearly all leg press. Now, the reason for that is that they push their feet into the floor, and the movement, you'll notice, for example, that they're as big as these athletes are, they're kind of almost in that bottom of the leg press type position 
when they start. You don't need to roll the bar in and out like some of them do. But again, it's getting into that uncomfortable. You're 400 pounds. It's uncomfortable sitting down in the hole. So what they do is they push the bar away, let their belly get in into the space it wants to go to, roll the bar back towards them, and then they are in the bottom, the very bottom position of a leg press. That's the position that they're in while they're holding onto the handles of the frame. And that's how it kind of looks when you look at them in the bottom position of these super heavy 450 kilo plus uh, deadlifts. Let me give you another uh, tip here. And I'm thinking about Andy Bolton, who I've competed against in grip competitions. And I'm reminded something specifically about doing the crazy heavy weights that Steve referenced earlier on. One of the things that Andy said was that in training for his biggest lifts, he learned very, very quickly never to max out in training. He never did any one rep maxes. In fact, <coughs> as he lifts now, and he's still lifting in master's classes, and he's still picking up well over 700 pounds, he would only do the one rep max at the end. Right, guys, we've got a lot more tips that we should hopefully get into more training uh, features in the future. There's a few to be going on with. Focus on the bench press for today, but we'd like to do more on these in the future. And uh, let's see if we can get them out there. Let us know what you'd like to hear and uh, give some comments so that we know what's going on with your list. And especially if you had some success because of our tips. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and is based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.